Chapter 19 of the Chautauqua Girls at Home. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Chautauqua Girls at Home by Pansy. Chapter 19 Keeping the Promise. It was curious how our four girls set about enlarging the prayer meeting. That idea had taken hold of them as the next thing to be done. The wonder was, Eurie said, the Christian people had not worked at it before. I am sure, she added, that if anyone had invited me to attend, I would have gone long ago just to please, if it was one that I cared to please. And Marion answered with a smile, I am sure you would, too, with your present feelings. Still, none of them doubted but that they would have success. They saw little of each other during the days that intervened, and their plan necessarily involved the going alone, or with what company they should gather, instead of meeting and keeping each other company, as they had done in the first days of their prayer-meeting life. Marian came first and alone. She went forward to their usual seat with a very forlorn and desolate air. She had entered upon the work with enthusiasm and with eager desire and expectation of success. To be sure, she was a long time deciding whom to ask, and several times changed her plans. At last her heart settled on Miss Banks, the friend with whom she had almost been intimate before these new intimacies gathered around her. Latterly they had said little to each other. Miss Banks had seemed to avoid Marion since that rainy Monday when they came in contact so sharply. She was not exactly rude, nor in the least unkind. She simply seemed to feel that the points of congeniality between them were broken, and so avoided her. She did this so successfully that, even after Marion's thought to invite her to the meeting had taken decided shape, it was difficult to find the opportunity. Having gotten the idea, however, she was persistent in it, and at last, during recess, on the very day of the meeting, she came across her in the library, looking aimlessly over the rows of books. "'In search of wisdom or recreation?' Marion asked, stopping beside her, and speaking with the familiarity of former days." in search of some tiresome references for my class in philosophy. Some of the scholars are provokingly in earnest in the study, and will not be satisfied with the platitudes of the textbook. That is a refreshing departure from the ordinary state of things, isn't it? Marion asked, laughing at the way in which the progress of her pupils was put. Then, without waiting for an answer, and already feeling her resolution beginning to cool, she plunged into the subject that interested her. I have been in search of you all the morning. That's surprising, Miss Banks said coolly. Couldn't I be found? I have been no further away than my schoolroom. Well, I mean looking for you at a time when you were not engaged, or perhaps looking forward to seeing you at such a time, would be a more proper way of putting it, said Marion, trying to smile, and yet feeling a trifle annoyed. One is apt to be somewhat engaged in a schoolroom during school hours, especially if one is a teacher. They were not getting on at all. Marian decided to speak without trying to bring herself gracefully to the point. I want to ask a favor of you. Will you go to meeting with me tonight? To meeting, Miss Banks repeated, without turning from the bookcase. What meeting is there tonight? Why, the prayer meeting at the First Church. There is always a meeting there on Wednesday nights. Miss Banks turned herself slowly away from the book she was examining and fixed her clear, cold gray eyes on Marion. 
and so there has been every Wednesday evening during the five years that we have been in school together, I presume. To what can I be indebted for such an invitation at this late day? It was very hard for Marion not to get angry. She knew this cold composure was intended as a rebuke to herself for presuming to have withdrawn from the clique that had hitherto spent much time together. "'What is the use of this?' she asked, a shade of impatience in her voice, though she tried to control it. "'You know, Miss Banks, that I profess to have made a discovery during the last few weeks, that I try to arrange all my actions with a view to the new revelations of life and duty which I have certainly had.' In simple language, you know that, whereas I not long ago presumed to scoff at conversion, and at the idea of a life abiding in Christ, I believe now that I have been converted, and that the Lord Jesus is my friend and brother. I want to tell you that I have found rest and peace in Him. Is it any wonder that I should desire it for my friends? I do honestly crave for you the same experience that I have enjoyed, and to that end I have asked you to attend the meeting with me tonight." It is impossible to describe the changes on Miss Banks's face during this sentence. There was a touch of embarrassment, and more than a touch of incredulity, and over all a look of great amazement. She continued to survey Marion from head to foot with those cold gray eyes for as much as a minute after she had ceased speaking. Then she said, speaking slowly, as if she were measuring every word, "'I am sure I ought to be grateful for the trouble you have taken.' the more so as I had not presumed to think that you had any interest in either my body or my soul. But as I have had no new and surprising revelations, and know nothing about the friend and brother of whom you speak, I may be excused from coveting the like experience with yourself, however delightful you may have found it. As to the meeting, I went once to that church to attend a prayer meeting, too, and if there can be a more refined and long-drawn-out exhibition of dullness, than was presented to us there, I don't know where to look for it. I wonder why the school-bell doesn't ring. It is three minutes past the time by my watch. Marion, without an attempt at a reply, turned and went stiffly down the hall. She was glad just then the tardy bell pealed forth, and that she was obliged to go at once to the recitation-room and involve herself in the intricacies of algebra. Without this incentive to self-control, she felt that she would have given way to the hot, disappointed tears that were choking in her throat. How sad her heart was as she sat there alone in the prayer-room. It was early, and but few were present. She had never felt so much alone. The companionship which had been so close and so constant during the few weeks past seemed suddenly to have been removed from her, and when she essayed to go back to the old friend, she stood coldly and heartlessly, ay, worse than that, mockingly aloof. She had overheard her that very afternoon, detailing to one of the under-teachers fragments of the conversation in the library. Marion's heart was wounded to its very depths. Perhaps it is little wonder that she had made no further attempt to secure company for the evening. There were school girls by the score that she might have asked. Doubtless some one of the number would accept her invitation, but she had not thought so she had shrunken from any other effort in mortal terror. "'I am not fitted for such work,' she said in bitterness of soul. "'Not even for such work. What can I do?' And then, despite the class, she had brushed away a tear. So there she sat alone, till suddenly the door opened with more force than usual, and closed with a little bang, 
and Eurie Mitchell, with a face on which there glowed traces of excitement, came like a whiff of wind and rustled into a seat beside her, alone like herself. "'You here?' she said, and there was surprise in her whisper. "'I thought you would be late and not be alone. I am glad of it. I mean, I am almost glad. Don't you think, Nell wouldn't come with me. I counted on him as a matter of course. He is so obliging.' always willing to take me wherever I want to go, and often disarranging his own engagements so that I need not be disappointed. I was just as sure of him, I thought, as I was of myself, and then I coaxed him harder than ever I did before in my life, and he wouldn't come in. He came to the door with me, and said I needn't be afraid, but that he would be on hand to see me home, and he would see safely home any number of girls that I chose to drum up, but as for sitting in here for a whole hour, waiting for it to be time to go home, that was beyond him, too much for mortal patience. Wasn't it just too bad? I was so sure of it, too. I told him about our plans, about our promise indeed, and how I had counted on him, and all he said was, Don't you know the old proverb, sis, never count your chickens before they are hatched, or a more elegant phrasing of it, never eat your fish till you catch him? Now I'm not caught yet. Some way the right sort of bait hasn't reached me yet. I was never so disappointed in my life. Didn't you try to get someone to come? Yes, said Marian, and failed. She forced herself to say that much. How could Yuri go through with all these details? If her heart had ached as mine does, she couldn't, Marian told herself. She might have known if she had used her judgment that Yuri's heart was not of the sort that could ever ache over anything as hers could, and yet Yuri was bitterly disappointed. She had counted on Nell and expected him, had high hopes for him, and here they were dashed into nothingness. Who knew that he would be so obstinate over a trifle? Surely it was a trifle just to come to prayer meeting once. She knew she would have done it for him, even in the days when it would have been a bore. She did not understand it at all. Meantime, Ruth had been having her experiences. This promise of hers troubled her. Perhaps you cannot imagine what an exceedingly disagreeable thing it seemed to her to hunt up somebody to go to prayer meeting with her. Where could she turn? There were so few people with whom she came in contact that it would not be absurd to ask. Her father she put aside at once as entirely out of the question. It was simply an absurdity to think of asking him to go to prayer meeting. He rarely went to church even on the Sabbath, less often now than he used to do. It would simply be annoying him and exposing religion to his contempt, so his daughter reasoned. She sighed over it while she reasoned. She wished most earnestly that it were not so. She prayed, and she thought it was with all her heart, that God would speak to her father in some way, by some voice that he would heed, and yet she allowed herself to be sure that his only and cherished daughter had the one voice that could not hope to influence him in the least. Well, there was her friend, Mr. Wayne. I wonder if I can describe to you how impossible it seemed to her to ask him to go. Not that he would not have accompanied her. He would in a minute. He would do almost anything she asked. She felt as sure that she could get him to occupy a seat in the first church prayer room that evening as she felt sure of going there herself. But she asked herself, of what earthly use would it be? He would go simply to please what he would suppose was a whim of hers. 
he would listen with an amused smile slightly tinged with sarcasm to all the words that would be spoken that evening and he would have ready a hundred mildly funny things to say about them when the meeting closed for weeks afterward he would be apt to bring in nicely fitting quotations gleamed from that evening of watchfulness fitting them into absurd places and making them seem the veriest folly that would be the fruit ruth shrank with all her soul from such a result these things were sacred to her she did not see how it would be possible to endure the quizzical turn that would be given to them i want you to notice that in all this reasoning she did not see that she had undertaken not only her own work but the lord's when one attempts not only to drop the seed but to make the fruit that shall spring up no wonder one stands back appalled yet was she not busying her heart with the results the end of it was that she decided whatever else she did to say nothing to mr wayne about the meeting no i am mistaken that was not the end there suddenly came in with these musings a startling thought if i cannot endure the foolishness that will result from one evening how am i to endure companionship for a lifetime that was a thought that would not slumber again but she must find some one whom she was willing to ask to go to prayer meeting there was her miserable promise hedging her in who was she willing to ask she ran over her list of acquaintances there wasn't one how strange it was she could think of those whom flossy might ask and there was eurie surrounded by a large family and as for marion her opportunities were unlimited but for her forlorn self in all the large circle of her acquaintance there seemed no one to ask the truth was ruth was shiveringly afraid of casting pearls before swine not that she put it in that way but she would rather have been struck than to have been made an object of ridicule and yet there were times when she wished she had lived in the days of martyrdom the church of to-day is full of just such martyr spirits the result was precisely what might have been expected she dallied with her miserable cowardice which she did not call by that name at all until there really was no person within reach to invite to the meeting who would have supposed all this of ruth erskine no one would have been less likely to have done so than herself she went alone to the meeting at a late hour and with a very miserable sore sad heart to which marion's was nothing in comparison yet there was something accomplished if she had but known it she was beginning to understand herself she had a much lower opinion of ruth erskine as she sat there meeting the wondering gaze of eurie and the quick inquiring glance of marion than she ever had felt in her life i said she was late but flossy was later somebody else must have been at work about that meeting and have been more successful than our girls for the room was fuller than usual marion had begun to grow anxious for the little flossy that had crept so near to their hearts and to make frequent turnings of the head to see if she were not coming when at last she shimmered down the aisle a soft bright rainbow for she hadn't given over wearing her favorite colors and she could no more help getting them on becomingly than a bird can help looking graceful in its plumage why should either of them try to help it but flossy was not alone there was a tall portly form and a splendidly balanced head resting on firm shoulders that followed her down to the seat where the girls were waiting for her end of chapter 19 recording by trisha g